Welcome to Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast. I am your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by my co-host, Patrick Green. And we are here to discuss some uh, late-breaking news, some somewhat uns- unsubstantiated, unconfirmed news about uh, Jodie Comer, who I think that's how you pronounce her name. Yeah. She is uh, she is being tapped to star in the new Blade Runner 2099. From for all intents and purposes, based on probably two or three reports that are out right now, there was another report about the directors of the series and who's going to be directing what, also naming Ridley Scott as a director for several of the episodes uh, taking place in, shooting will take place in, uh, I believe it's Belfast, Ireland, within the next few months. I'm hearing May and April, but then there's also, uh, uh, someone talked about July as a start date. I don't really know. I have a friend, or we have a friend named Siren, who lives in Ireland, who is a background worker, and he said that it looks like shooting might begin in... April, May, so uh, we're just kind of here to talk about that briefly. Yeah, the news is starting to come out. I feel like this really went from, is it going to happen? Like, what actually is this? To, okay, this is actually clearly, you know, being fast-tracked for production just in the last couple of weeks. Uh, as you mentioned, we know Ridley Scott's going to direct some episodes. We also know that uh, Jeremy Podeswa is going to be directing some, who's uh, done Game of Thrones before, so that's good, you know, marquee-level television experience to be bringing to the project. Um, and, of course, Jodie Comer, who absolutely blew me away in The Last Duel, which was one of my favorite movies released in tw- 2021? I think that's 21. So. Yeah, Wow. Uh, that was just an amazing movie, and she was the centerpiece of it, and her performance was just astounding. I haven't seen Killing Eve. I haven't seen uh, many other things she's been in. Of course, she had a cameo in Rise of Skywalker. But uh, but having seen The Last Duel, which, of course, is also Ridley Scott, I have complete confidence that she could deliver an amazing performance. So I'm I'm really excited about that. I'm excited as well. I figured it was going to be a female lead. That's just kind of where things were headed. Uh, it just, it makes sense. I have seen her in Killing Eve. She is amazing in that role. Uh, in the role in Killing Eve, she plays this, she's kind of like this killer for hire. And she's becoming, like she takes on different personas depending on where she is. She she takes on different languages to kind of incorporate herself into the society that she's in. She's kind of disappear. She is a really an amazing talent. I didn't know she was in Rise of Skywalker. What what's her cameo in that movie? She plays uh, Ray's mother. Does she? Yeah. Interesting. Only for a moment. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tiny, teeny, tiny cameo. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm excited about her. I, I'm also excited about the story. I have no idea what the story is going to be. They're pushing it as a follow up, a sequel to both films. So I would imagine there's going to be some threads and some. Um, some themes that are going to be in this series, this 10 part series. That's a limited series that we're going to be familiar with. I mean, I have big questions like did Wallace continue to make replicants in hopes that they would produce children on their own? Where did that go? Did they keep, did they continue to make Rachel replicants to see if a version of that Rachel could have children? That would be an interesting way for it to go. I would love to see that also because I'd love to see Rachel again. So (laughs) Rachel 3.0. I know a version of Rachel, (laughs) but I I feel like if this show is going to be a conclusion of the story, there's going to be some familiar faces uh, that will surround the story. Like Rachel did for 2049. Not only was she present, 
like spiritually, texturally, she was present. She also was, then was present physically in a, in a different version at the end. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't know where this is headed. I have no idea whatsoever, but I am excited. Um, again, I will state that this is going to be a huge ask for the the crew, for the people behind the camera, for the directors, for Soka Louisa, who is the showrunner, for Ridley Scott, in terms of turning in a 10-hour show that is texturally um, the same as the first and second film, and there can't be any filler episodes. It has to all, like, my expectations for this are sky high, sky high, and that's probably dangerous, very dangerous, but uh, we've had two masterpiece films, and uh, I expect the show to be equally as good. I expect the the musician, the composer, to really do their homework, whoever it is, and to create music that is lasting and amazing and a part of the character of the of the show much like the music was a part of the character of the films so yeah there's there's a a, a gauntlet thrown no expectations this is very you know, the bars very low oh no, no, yeah very low you know I, I gotta say i'm we as we were watching the finale of the last of us last night micah and i were talking about how we we, we were so grateful that that was an hbo series because hbo has just consistently uh, uh, there's been of course some misfires but overall like their commitment they have to the craft and to financing things properly and getting things the right timeline to production it really just produces truly like event level television that it's just just amazing like the level of quality has just over the last few decades been incredible the fact that this is coming to amazon is something that i'm not like super excited about um, we don't have any reason to necessarily think it's a bad thing, but I've tried and failed to get into a number of Amazon series at this point, like Hunters being one, where like the setup is so brilliant and the beginning is so great. And then, you know, we kind of, it just starts to kind of not click for, at least for me as a viewer, there's been a few of those. And I know, uh, I, I didn't watch the, uh, the Lord of the Rings series, but, um, Rings of Power, Rings of Power. That was a little bit uneven, um, as well in terms of reception, who knows what's going to happen with this? I mean, this is where we are so far away from the actual thing coming out. We don't know. But that being said, though, it, the fact that they're gearing up to film makes me feel like this is going to be coming out probably in the fa the final quarter of this year. Even I think they might start releasing things. Possible, possibly, or probably yeah. early quarter next year. I'm maybe thinking. spring I mean, of next year. Yeah, because it's a ten hour show. It'll probably take them three, four months to shoot that much, and then there's all the post production. I don't know who's involved in that. But to your point about Amazon, I, I'm a little bit more nervous myself. I mean, there are some good things on Amazon, but there's a lot of tepid stuff on Amazon as well. They really, the they don't have the kind of quality that someplace like hbo has they really it's hit and miss and again there's some really good stuff on amazon that i've enjoyed but i i've seen the rings of power i think it was a, a really great effort i enjoyed what i saw but it didn't have any of the urgency or importance of uh shows like house of the dragon or game of thrones or any of the lord of the rings films it felt very much like expensive tv it didn't feel like yeah. an urgent important story and blade runner is going to have to be a completely different level, a completely different stratosphere. It's going to have to feel like the show it came out on HBO. Um, but I, I am hopeful. It's going to be interesting to see Ridley Scott direct Blade Runner for the first time since nineteen, you know, nineteen eighty one, essentially when they first when he directed the first one. So I'm excited about that. I'm nervous about that too, just because Ridley Scott is also hit and miss these days. But uh, I, I think he knows what he's doing and. Uh, Hopefully, I'm hopeful that this show is as 
contemplative and meditative as both films are. Like it has to be. If it's a show where it's cut, 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 quick shot, quick shot, it's gonna lose me. It's really gonna lose me. Like what I love about Blade Runner is it takes its time to draw us in and to tell us this really beautiful story um, in this very uh, oppressive world. And I want this show to do the same thing in its own way. I mean, they can do whatever they wanna do, but please take your time. Agreed. And just uh, before we close quickly, um, I, I do have to say that if if Jodie Comer actually is going to be starring in it, which again, of course, to be absolutely clear, this is not news that we're reporting on. It's maybe substantiated rumors, but it's not. Don't consider this as, you know, Shoulder of Ryan is officially saying she's going to star in this thing. Well, what we have heard is that she's in talks to star in it, which is a big deal. If she does, of course, it'd be great because she clearly works very well with Ridley Scott and I have to say, like in The Last Duel, part of what I loved about her performance is that it's a, a film that's really kind of dominated by very strong male presences. And that's kind of part of the thematic undercurrent. But the real theme of the movie ultimately is is how the strength within her very much obliterates that. And she in this, you know, although she was in her late 20s when she made that, she comes across like she's had decades of experience with these, you know, A-list actors and just completely outshines everybody else in the movie by the end, which is so hard to do. So like, that's great. I mean, she's somebody that I could definitely watch 10 hours of like her performance is, uh, is incredible in that thing. So I, I think that she'd be a great fit for this, you know, not knowing anything about the story. And I think, uh, I think it shows that, I mean, something we know about Ridley, of course, is that he likes to work almost with like a repertory company of people, which can be good and it can be bad. Um, it can mean that his films look very similar and sound very similar. Uh, and that can be a good or a bad thing, depending on the movie as well. But who knows? Maybe this will be a little bit different. I guess we're, we're going to have to find out. We will. And I, I, I'm concerned about that too, that a lot of his projects, just, they all look the same. They have that like grayish, silverish monochromatic look. It's all populated by the same uh, composer and the same DP. And even though, I believe those people are talented. It's really, it really has taken its toll on his work. He really needs to uh, up this game. Now, hopefully with Silka Louisa as the showrunner, Ridley Scott is stepping in, you know, in a world that yes, he's executive producing, but he, he's not in full control over. And I think it's important. Um, uh, yeah. I think it's important that he isn't like in full control over everything. I think the world is going to look uh, better with less of his fingerprints on it for, for all intents and yeah. purposes, but we'll see. I mean, again, I, I think it's something that he loves. It's where it's heart is in terms of AI and what, what AI is going to do. And uh, I'm excited. Oh yeah. I mean, look at the last of us. It was a complete partnership from the beginning to the end, right? Like that was something where there were very few egos and people collaborated across even not even genres and stuff, but across media, right? It was video game people working with television people to make something extraordinary. You look at something like True Detective, which to me is one of the only shows that measures up to the last of us in terms mm. of quality for the first season. And that was a collaboration that was not just Nick Pizzolatto, but you know, there were other people as well, like, uh, like Fukin uh, Fukunawa, uh, Corey Joji Fukin, I can't remember his name at the moment. I apologize. But he, you know, balanced out uh, Pizzolatto's instincts. And then in season two, of course, of True Detective, we see just the Nick Pizzolatto show and it was god awful, right? Mm. So like you really do need to balance creative teams out for television because you can't just have one auteur take on 12 hours of content. You really need, you know, you need people who are able to step in and be like, oh, this doesn't feel quite right. So hopefully it's what we're getting. I think Silco Louise is super talented. I think Ridley Scott obviously is a genius that we all love. So I, I'm, I'm excited. 
I'm excited too. The last thing I'll say is if you guys are interested in what Silka Louisa has produced, um, I would really, really, really recommend Shining Girls on Apple TV. It's a series that Patrick is still getting through. I really loved it. It's a slow burn. Um, it might be kind of confusing and, and frustrating in the beginning, but by the end, it pays off. And it's a really rich character exploration of, of trauma and but there's other things happening and you're really not sure what's a reality and what isn't reality. It kind of moves across timelines and that's all that I'll say. I think it's brilliant and rich and gorgeous shot in Chicago. Check it out. Cool. My hometown. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Thanks guys. <laughs>